Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, 28th of May, and we are absolutely flying along again. Wall Street was up 553 points. Our futures were up 50, but the market is up 118 as I speak. And the banks are absolutely piling it on. The sector's up 14.13% in three days. And this morning, most of the major banks are up another 5 or 6%. It is truly astonishing stuff. What is driving it, of course, is this expectation that we are coming out of COVID-19 shutdown three months earlier than expected. And on that basis, all the GDP forecasts have been too negative, And we've seen a host of GDP upgrades in the last week from brokers, uh, particularly in Australia after the Morrison speech. But this is a global thing. It's not an Australian thing. In the US, the financial sector is up 10% in two days. JP Morgan was up 5% last night, the CEO talking about the economy regaining its footing. And this is the point that the initial medical advice, particularly in Australia, was overcautious and was suggesting we'd be in lockdowns till September. So all the forecasts, the GDP forecasts, the company forecasts have been based on lockdowns for six months, when in fact we're coming out of them in three months. And that's why GDP forecasts are going up, but it's also why the bank sector is going up, because our banks in particular have just had results. They've just announced huge billion-dollar provisions against bad loans and COVID-19, but the reality is that they, the bad loans are not going to be as bad as expected if lockdowns are ending a lot sooner, and the permanent damage to the economy will be less. It was always said if we came out V-shaped rather than U-shaped, that the shorter it lasted, the less impact it would have long-term, and that seems to be the case. So we're now left with the possibility that our banks have over-provided for bad debts. And the wonderful thing about that is when you provision, it means that come later results, you can add those provisions back. So it flatters the earnings numbers in future results. And so we're now faced with the banks with this armory of provisions to boost their future results. The other issue, and this perhaps is the bigger one, is that the major banks, most of the major banks deferred rather than cut or pass. They they used the expression deferred their dividends. What would happen to the sector if suddenly the banks decided that those they were going to pay those deferred dividends and announced that the sector would absolutely fly? And if they did do that, and there there has been no disruption in dividend payments on the whole, the timing may have changed, but if there was no or a minor disruption to dividend payments over the longer term here, and they get back to paying expected dividends, it may just be that this is that once in a decade moment where income focused people should be looking at the sector after this collapse. It's still the second worst performing sector in the market. It's still down 33.45%. Our market at this point in time is down 19.76%. So it's done a lot worse than the market. The only worst sector is energy. So this might be a once in a decade opportunity for income focused retirees to get stuck in. And certainly from a institutional point of view, it looks like we are seeing a recovery trade or a sentiment improvement in the banks, which will probably be temporary. After that, they'll go back to being low growth, no growth, 
tiny margin, zero interest rates, very hard to produce growth uh, long term. And they will go back to being those boring no growth stocks. But it may well be we've got a sentiment trade going on here. And they're 25% of the market. Fund managers can't afford to be underweight a sector this big with a resurrection going on. So everybody's scrabbling to get in today or in, over the last couple of days. It's also helped by a couple of bits of research, uh, one in particular from UBS, which has a huge distribution and has international clients. If UBS starts telling people to buy the bank sector in Australia and Fidelity start to do that, then obviously the banks move. Uh, so UBS, who've got an, uh, an analyst called Jonathan Mott, who's a bit of a perma bear on banks, has written a bit of research with his team about a catch-up rally in the banks as they trade at bigger than usual discounts to book value. Uh, by the way, they say they prefer ANZ in this order, ANZ, Westpac, NAB, then CBA. CBA always looks a little bit more expensive than the rest. So come the recovery is unlikely to be uh, as good a performer. It's, it hasn't been as bad on the way down, so not as good on the way up. So the other banks are the focus. And particularly, you might imagine the NAB. The NAB took their uh, the opportunity over their results to raise $3.5 billion. The other banks passed on that opportunity. So NAB is now cashed up, over-provisioned, and could easily uh, return money to shareholders again through uh, dividends. And we also see in the press today that Wilson Asset Management's WAM Leaders Fund, the fund managers in there, saying that they have gone overweight banks for the first time in history. And I'm sure they are simply one of many fund managers who have taken decisions on the banks in the last couple of days. So uh, this, is, this to us is a risk. So let me get to the strategy section today. We are getting back to neutral weight on banks. You might be aware that we've been talking only in the last, can you believe it, <laughs> the last week about uh, once the market broke out of this sideways trading range, that it was time to move money out of banks into stocks that were going to recover faster. So we started going only in the, we we're always overweight banks in the income SMA, but in the growth SMA. Uh, we start to underweight banks a little bit in order to buy recovery stocks. Now, as it happens in the last two or three days since we've been doing that, we've still outperformed the market because those recovery stocks have done even better than the banks have done. So it hasn't cost us anything. But if the bank's going to continue to do this, uh, they are 25% of our benchmark. We're just going to get back to neutral weighted in the growth portfolio just as an insurance policy against underperformance. And we will watch this uh, recovery rally happen. And at some point, hopefully uh, a bit higher up, we will again use that capital to look for better growth stocks than the, than the banks in the longer term. But for now, uh, getting back to neutral weighting, uh, we were only 2% uh, underweight on CBA and less than a percent underweight on the other banks. And so it, it hasn't really made a difference to us, but we're just getting back to weight. And in so doing, making the point to you and to any retiree income investors that even though the sector's already popped, there's still plenty of room for it to improve from here. And this might prove to be a once in a decade opportunity. The market is waking up to it. And as, as you know, we talk about watching the herd, not making predictions. You could have made predictions about the bank sector, but the herd has spotted it and the herd is chasing it. And that's our job to watch them and do something about it. So we are doing something about it. Plus, when you get when you look at the charts, we're still well down on the sector. 
and this little pop that's happened pop these these short sharp starts can start trends so so we're in for the moment and maybe this trend will develop we will see but i don't think it's going to be any more than a recovery trade most of the broker research has the banks 20 percent undervalued relative to target price except for the cba but the other three they're all undervalued according to the brokers so that's what we're doing uh, buying a few banks or just getting back to neutral weighting on the banks just to make sure we don't underperform otherwise i have some good charts in the newsletter today and list of stocks on particular sectors and have a look in there and you'll see that the real estate investment trust sector the reits have started to move that recovery is firmly in place the resources sector, the quiet achiever, is also recovering nicely at the moment. The energy sector as well. The healthcare sector, on the other hand, appears to be the laggard now. It's a great sector, long-term quality, but better opportunities to make money elsewhere than in the sector that outperformed the market the most during the COVID-19 crisis. So uh, making sure we're not too overweight the sector, we still hold big holdings. But you might have noticed CSL not performing whilst the banks rise. People they seem to be selling the quality defensive sectors in order to fund their recovery trades. We've been doing the same thing. So healthcare sort of looking a bit flat as the market rallies. Technology, well, we're going to be overweight long term and uh, the sector is performing okay, but we are very aware that the, some of the stocks in this sector have had an enormous rally and that at some point, if the market turns over, this sector led us back up, it will lead us back down as well. So watching daily, happy for now. Most of the stocks doing okay, but we're not wedded to this with some long-term view. It's a sector that needs to be traded. It is volatile, but for the moment, looks absolutely fine. The utilities sector is is uh, APA, AGL, AST, SKI. There was a good recovery trade in the sector, but you'll see from the chart that seems to have run out, so not as interesting a sector as it was. Transport sector, which is Transurban, Sydney Airport, Qantas, QUB, that sector is still recovering nicely, still got something left in it, so we're still exposed there. And meanwhile, not that we've been in it, but the gold sector, there, there were sell signals noticeably on almost every gold stock uh, yesterday or today. And you'll see that see the chart in there. So uh, that's it for today. I would just say to you that whilst you're listening to these podcasts, our Marcus Today Growth Fund has jumped 24.76% since March the 23rd, since the bottom of the market. We're up 24.76%. And as I speak, it's up another 2.2% today. The ASX 300 accumulation index we're benchmarked to is up 20.55%. So we've outperformed that by 4%. And since the top of the market, or since February the 20th, when the COVID-19 started to affect the market, our growth portfolio has outperformed the market by 23.1%. 23.1%. Some fund managers will celebrate 1% outperformance over a year. We've outperformed 23.1% over a period of, what, six or seven weeks. So uh, whatever we're doing in this strategy section and through these podcasts, it's obviously working. Ben and I put it down to our hypervigilance and also our ability to be nimble. We've got a fairly small fund. It's now it's now 55 million and still growing. We can be fast, nimble, and we're prepared to do that. And clearly it works. So keep listening. <laughs>